0: Hey, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Susan Cassiano. She is with Yellowbird Nutrition, a company that believes nutrition applies to the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. They use an intuitive eating, plant-forward approach that transforms abstract theory to practical action into daily routines. They promote a health at every size practice, which I love that, Susan. Mm, I
1: love that idea. It's really essential, I find, in helping people make peace with food because I think um, like we're kind of um, fish swimming in the sea of our culture. And I think it's really hard to sometimes see that the water that we're swimming in um, doesn't accept body diversity. Um, And I think that it's just something that I hope to kind of bring to every person I'm working with to just at least have them just kind of consider um, the culture that we're living in and um, bringing more voice to um, how important it is to know that we are in the midst of really a healthcare crisis that I think at the root of it is um, really not a full acceptance of the different types of bodies out there um, because people are going to live with different BMIs and different body fat percentages. And we're not like all the iPhone 6 trying to like be in the same, eating the same thing, looking the same way. It's like we're humans. We're inherently right. all very
0: different. I love that you say that because as as a mother of a teenage daughter, and I'm gonna give myself a thumbs up because my child has no food issues and no body so, <laughs> image issues. But so amazing. There's still times where she'll she'll say, "Oh, I wish I had bigger lips. I wish I, you know." And, and I'm like, "You know, those are all like trendy things." Like. It, you can't match your body to the trend, you know. So right now, the big booty is way in, right? right. Thanks Everyone's to about Kim the Kardashian. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <You know>, everybody's <laughs> like, I really wish I had a humongous booty. When I was when I was growing, I was like, right. No way! Did you want? A it big was like booty. Twiggy. It was like the <laughs> yeah. different look. Yeah, exactly. And so you can't like. Make your body do things that it just wasn't meant to do. And I would not recommend going to get it surgically done either. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? So on point. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But some people
1: do, right? There's so many routes, I think, that women and men go through to kind of manipulate their body and the effects of just wanting to feel better about themselves and wanting to kind of gain um, more control of hard things that are happening in life. And so I think it's, um, yeah, it definitely has multiple layers, but I think that um, we just do kind of start um, really wanting to get to know someone's food story um, because I think that everyone is really a product of the environment they grew up in, the sports teams they were on, the coaches they had. There's so many voices that inherently contribute to someone's relationship with food and their body. So I think we start kind of dissecting that and asking some of those questions to just increase that awareness of why do I do the things I do, right? And is that actually working for me,
0: right? And and that's got that's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of digging on on that, right? Because sometimes you know it's like you start to get back to not only your history with food but there's probably like beyond that the family history with food they've done right. studies i mean they've done mm-hmm. studies about um and i can't recall but some little island i remember one time i it, there's a whole do you know about it is it are you thinking blue zones or is it is something different it was it was a study that they had done where they where they had figured out like because of a famine that had happened on this tiny little island years mm-hmm. and years and years ago like Before the generation that was there, you know, that it affected the people on that island generations after. And, you know, so it kind of goes to show you like the memories that your genes hold and the whole bloodline thing. It's really interesting. So sometimes I'm sure there's people that come to you and they're like, I don't know why I have this issue, but you still have to figure it out, right? Right. Because you don't want to live with it. Exactly, exactly. And I think that
1: once we do kind of figure out the root of it, like that sometimes, that can kind of only get you so far. So I also don't want to like paralyze um, a person into like, we've got to figure out the exact root and then we're going to be okay. Oh, right. No, 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 of course not. Of course not. Because it's like, we do want to translate that into some practical steps. And I think that that's really when you start to, just like kind of start to take a breath with like, okay, even though despite maybe some of this baggage that I've had with emotional eating or binge eating or even just feeling like I'm not at peace with my body, I think that we can really um, start to translate that into a place of less judgment and less criticism. And I think that that's really when the change starts to happen is changing some of the language um, from critical to
0: compassionate. So I'm going to take, what you got to tell me what Blue Zone is now. Okay. Because that's in my head now, okay. and I want to know what Blue Amazing. Zone is. <laughs> okay. So um, a Blue Zone
1: is um, an area of um, the... Earth, I guess that was researched, and they found that there's kind of the highest concentration of healthy living, longest living people in um, like within that geography. And so, say um, Loma Linda, California, is one of them, um, and it's an area where there's extremely high levels of walkability. They have uh-huh. um, great um, community connection. They find that the people that you live next to um, are friendly, like you're on good terms with each other. Um, they find that um, there's places of spirituality close by, um, that there's healthy food nearby, kind of all these different factors that really um, are biggest contributors into health and longevity. And so they call this a blue zone. I think that Naples, um, Florida is um, kind of on its way. So there's different areas. Um, They're smaller in the US, but I think that um, there's different areas of Italy for sure. Um, And they're just... Areas that they have the long or biggest concentration of centenarians—people living over a hundred—and they find that all of these factors are so essential in someone's health and well-being. And really, that food and exercise are part of the equation, but they're actually a really small part of the equation, as opposed to um, someone's sense of community, someone's sense of um, getting a hug or someone really grabbing their hand and acknowledging them versus the pa- pass-by on the street. Not right. being known, and kind of all of those people or all of those layers contribute to how you experience stress in your life, how you experience like a sense of resilience. So I think it just really is fascinating that um, those places exist and are growing, and now there's kind of science around them.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I love is, and I've talked about this before, is the it, the difference between interactions and transactions. Mm. And transaction is just like you know, you go, you buy something, but the interaction is you're talking to the person that you are that's behind the register or you're saying hello to the person you're passing on the street and I just have always been an interaction person I don't know why yes. but it's just the way I I well I do know why I think it's because I really do feel like I know everybody so that I mean I could never have met you before but I'm like hey what's up <laughs> yes. I'm friends with you already because we're humans yes. you know and we share this this space together so we're yes. friends but I think that that has a lot to do with my healthy outlook on life and how I am in the world. I feel very comfortable with, I mean, I, I don't have any hair. I'm super comfortable with being a person without yes. hair. I'm like, okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, that's how it is. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I mean, I did, I do want to explore at some point, like, is there something I can do? Like, does this say anything bad about my health? Hmm. But it doesn't really. Everything right. comes out pretty good on my, you know, when I, whenever I hardly ever go to the doctor and I'm hardly ever sick. But when it's I amazing. do there, I was like, oh, you're really healthy. I'm like, I know. Yes. <laughs> you know, I but I that. think it's the outlook. Mm-hmm. The outlook
1: you have on life is a huge factor. Exactly. And your outlook, I can tell already, Mish, just not knowing you so well, but getting this like small experience with you that you are so connected to the people around you. Right. I think that, that has so much more to do than what a physician taking blood tests can inherently like connect or like understand about you. So I think I also like really like to put people as like the CEO of whatever healthcare team they're on because I think sometimes it's easy to go into an interaction with a physician or a chiropractor or even dietitian and kind of have, feel like a little bit like a victim or just like oh I'm having all this stuff happen to me or I'm getting all this information but I think to really kind of switch that conversation to empower you and say like okay yes this is one opinion and I'm not sure if I'm okay with that so I'm going to kind of see what else is out there so I think that I think that we just have to keep you as the person in charge of your health information I love that
0: yes Mm. absolutely because you really are in in many ways and we're going to talk about that we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with Susan Cassiano we are back with Susan Cassiano of Yellowbird Nutrition. That's and I right. want to talk intuition. Awesome. I mean, that's one of the things you talk about is that intuitive eating, which that really does make you the CEO. Like you don't have to listen. You listen to good advice, but it may not necessarily be the advice for you. Absolutely. And I think that when we apply this
1: to food, this is really what makes our break or makes or breaks our sense of peace with um, the way we eat and with our body. So when we're really thinking about what is intuitive eating, because I think this is a somewhat new term um, to um, people in the Midwest, this is actually a form of um, health practice that has been going on um, in Los Angeles, um, kind of California for really the past 25 to 30 years. It's big in the Boston community, but it's still really just kind of trickling into the Midwest. Like Like, most It takes a while for things to get here. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So really intuitive eating is the practice of listening to your own body signals when making decisions around food rather than taking direction from an external source like yeah, Dr. Yeah. Oz or like a traditional diet. Like right. these are external sources that are really um, in the long-term disconnecting you from how something feels in your body or whether or not it's right for you. Um, and we know that the inherent flaw of listening to external sources is that um, they're directly tied to kind of chaotic experiences with food. Right. Um, so we really know that when we we're tuned in internally, which means listening to your hunger, listening to your fullness and respecting those as kind of those true north signs of, is this something that I want to be having? Does this food feel good for me? Right. Um, and that really establishes more of um, your wellness of who you are as an eater versus, well, I don't eat gluten-free and I don't eat this way, but I do eat this way. And and those are kind of all like the externally driven things that are more right. kind of like that, that fine tuning um, that can be helpful in a therapeutic sense long-term. So really that's what I help um, guide people through is how to um, eat more confidently and intuitively. Um, and then if it makes sense for them, exploring kind of plant-based nutrition as a therapy um, for maybe different disease states that are going on or really just helping you making make food decisions from a place of self-care versus self-control. Right. Um, just because I think so much of our interaction actions with how we eat
0: are based off
1: of control.
0: Yeah, um, right, mm-hmm. right, which is really hard. And it and it's it's interesting. Okay. I mean, so I do, I mean, I know I eat intuitively. Awesome. Because in so, can you Okay, my husband's the cook in the family. So can you even imagine what I put him through because he'll say what do you want for dinner tonight? I'm like, I don't I don't know yet. I can't feel it yet. You know, and then later it's like I will I will say Really tonight I just want some roasted vegetables and some bread. Totally. With, you know, and that's all I feel like. Like I want that. Mm-hmm. But this morning um we were talking and I said to him, "You know what's really weird is lately I've had a thing about chicken like I don't want anything to do with chicken. Like okay. something's wrong, like something's wrong with it with me. <laughs> I don't know what okay. it is. Like I want to stay so far away from chicken right now. And I have no reason other than my body's like don't eat that this is not right. Do not eat you it right You kind of now. have this inherent
1: sense of like what's going to feel good for you, what's going to energize you, right. um, and what's going to leave you feeling satisfied. Because I think that we also ha- really look at intuitive eating as having foods that give you pleasure and really knowing that that is such an important part of the eating experience that often gets overlooked. Right. And we can eat just with our minds or eat just for health. And it really only gets us so far. Right. Um, and so I think there's this part of really enjoying your food that that's i think really how we're designed to experience food be around people that we want to be around when we eat when we can choosing foods that um just actually taste good even if for a moment like we're just not caring about nutrition at all like that's also really normal yeah <laughs> like, right well exactly. and you're bombarded
0: with stuff and then that and i have a whole thing with with, with what i talk about with candy because i love candy yes, and, it's Halloween. and but i just i I celebrate it when I eat it like it's a big celebration because I don't want to put negative energy in my body I don't want to be like feeling bad that I'm eating candy so instead I'm like this is awesome I I love this candy so much oh my gosh yay for the packaging that's so beautiful (laughs) yay for the families that are being fed because they made this candy you know I just like want to celebrate it because then I have this whole thing about then you're not putting negative energy in there then your body's like ooh this is the best licorice ever made exactly (laughs) And really, when you look at that
1: from a metabolic standpoint, we are meant to digest food in a relaxed parasympathetic state. Mm. And so when we switch that, when we're feeling guilt about our food choices, we flip the switch. We get into the sympathetic state. Cortisol is flowing. We're more likely to store that food as fat. We're more likely to release those insulin levels that our body releases when it's on edge because we don't know if it's okay to eat the candy. Right, right. So I think that like to really... um, Create a relaxed environment and a relaxed mental space before you start eating is so supportive to how the body is meant to break down and metabolize food. So I love that that's already a part of your process, <laughs> Mish. Where you're just like, we're going for the candy, we're happy about it. And like, honestly, it's like, yeah, let it be the thing and move on. And I think that that's um, just a spot that is going to like just help you thrive so much long term. This right. when you're not kind of like caught up in the nitty gritty of, well, let's dissect this food and how much carbohydrate and sugar how many calories it are in
0: this? Exactly, and yeah, right.
1: exactly. And I think that that's really when we know that like, okay, the mind is taking over this eating situation and the body's not really present with right. it. Um, and so I think that that's a big part of intuitive eating is just strengthening the mind-body connection. And I think that that's really when you see people have that long-term success because you've got to be dialed in in both to have that like long-term
0: like success with food. And and so I keep hearing this term plant-based. Is ah. that the new way to say vegetarian you or know what? Yeah, that is such a good question, Mish, because I think that really um kind Thank of you, Sam. These... Sam told me to ask it.
1: <laughs> Great. Yeah, so plant-based is kind of um a more culturally friendly way of approaching um this term of like veganism or like okay, is that really like a friendly term or is that kind of more a uh, like angry vegan? Like you're just like <laughs> the people that like, are Like do you have come... an yes, image in your head of like bit. the total hippie person? person's right. like you're eating me. Exactly. You're a killer. You know? <laughs> exactly. And that you can be vegan and eat Oreos and Fritos all day. Like that's very different than being plant-based, which has um, the inherent um, benefits of increasing your phytonutrient and phytochemical um, uh, absorption in the body. When you're um, choosing foods that have higher fiber and are going to fill you up and prevent cancer. When you're choosing foods that are um, close to the ground to mitigate inflammation, like all of these things where it's like, yeah, you're actually getting the therapeutic benefit of eating um, foods that are supportive and therapeutic for the body versus, I guess, vegetarian or veganism, which you can really be, um, you can just be eating junk food all day right. and not really be supporting the body. So I think that those are like just kind of two different ways or kind of just a more updated way of approaching um, a um, a more veg lifestyle from a therapeutic
0: sense and being clear on those differences. That's so true. And I, I actually had a long. Long time ago, and he became a vegetarian, and he and he was doing it to lose weight, and he wasn't losing weight. And he's like, "I don't understand." I'm like, "Because you drink root beer and have potato chips for lunch, that might be vegetarian, but that's not (laughs) necessarily the way you're going to lose." Like you, like part of I think being a vegetarian also means you're thinking in a healthy way about food. You're eating healthy food, right? You know, like salads, rice, and beans, not root beer and potato chips. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because another part
1: of the work I do um, is empowering people in their cooking practice. And I think that um, a lot of people grow up on um, veggies that either come from cans or are overly cooked or they're just like, I don't like vegetables because I've never tasted a good vegetable. Right. And I think that um, maybe don't have the um, confidence that they're able to cook a really delicious pan of roasted vegetables that they will gobble up and it will be better than their um, bad chips are more satisfying and so I think that that's another um, part is just starting to cook that that has was probably one of the um, most impactful parts of your own health journey is knowing that you can pick out produce bring it home cut it up and cook it in a way right. that you enjoy
0: well you probably get through a lot of blocks that way Absolutely. you know because I could that's a, that's a major block right I have, yes. to, I have to cut up something and cook it right you know it's I saw something the other day that said um you know, isn't it terrible when you go to the kitchen to look for something to eat and all you find is ingredients? You're like, <laughs> you know like, it is, right? Man, why isn't this a meal? You know? yeah. So it's making, it's making it easier to learn, you know, like, okay, there's ingredients. And so what do I do with all this? If you kind of know exactly. what to do, it would probably take away the block of I just want to pick something
1: up and eat it. Absolutely. And that it can be simple and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. And there's even plant based meals you can make in the microwave if the oven is a barrier. (laughs) Like, there's so many ways that we can go about it. And so I think it's really getting to know like, how much time does that person have? And how often are we going to the grocery store? And like, how how much time do we want to spend on food prep a week? And like, we can make it work and it's going to look different for everyone. But I think that, yeah, to kind of invite this lost art of cooking back to, the game. And it doesn't have to be inherently time consuming. And it doesn't have to um, mean that you can't have those foods and flavors that you would enjoy. So I think that, um, that, yeah, just kind of bringing the joy and ease back into the kitchen is, I think, a really big, important part of this work.
0: I love it. Love it. And we are going to take a quick break. We will be back with Susan. Okay, and we are back with Susan, and we are talking about all things yummy, healthy food. So I have a few questions for you. Awesome. Have you ever heard uh, or read any just food advice? You were like, "What? That is so weird!" Like, like really, that is the weirdest thing.
1: <laughs> Honestly, okay. So I think that every time I hear low carb, like I know it's ah. such a like buzzword and like such a um, kind of like hot topic like on the subject of weight loss. But I just think like biologically, like. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard just because every (laughs) cell in our body runs off of glucose, which is carbohydrate broken down in the bloodstream. We inherently need it. So when you try to take that away, it's almost like asking you up, asking for you to become kind of a crazy person around food. And so I think that that's kind of just one thing that I just want to like kind of like just bring voice to that like this isn't supposed to work long term.
0: So something where people are, you know, where it's like, okay, let's just eat protein, like just eat steak all day long kind Mm -hmm. of diet. Are we... Do they lose weight because they're kind of starving themselves? Is
1: that part of it to an extent? And they're probably just truly not eating as much food. Um, I think that it's not that carbs are um, inherently good or bad for us, or that like we want to label it in that category. But um, we want to really say that a lot of people are just unsure and um, about just those the portions of carbohydrate that like feel good in their body, or maybe they've restricted them for a long time, which makes you prone to overeat them. And I think that oh, that's Most people are kind of at in the sense of not feeling that they can trust themselves around it. So they pull it out entirely. And I think that that's something that I just like really think can be um, just kind of brought to the light. It's like we can trust ourselves around those foods and your body really thanks you for it. And you have less mental fog
0: (laughs) and you actually want your workout when you eat carbs. (laughs) Okay, let's say tomorrow we are going to start a fast food plant-based Restaurant. Okay. What should we call it? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, um, this would be hard. I know, oh, but I was thinking about this on my way home. Like, what power would I wanna... plant? Ooh, I like it. Maybe the power mish. plant. Okay, that's good.
1: Okay, has like High masculine five. and feminine aspects. Okay, I like cool. it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there.
0: That's nobody gets that. Nobody can have it. No one can have it. We're <laughs> trademarking it's that Susan's. today. <laughs> You hear me out there. <laughs> if somebody starts, it, well, we're going to okay, have to we're go. We're going to come after Our him. podcast came out right. before you named <laughs> October thirty first, <31st>, two thousand seventeen. <laughs> um, okay, so when you've you've got these people, and you take them from here is the diet they have, and we're empowering them, and they're learning, and da 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 da, and they're going to to this new way of being. Is there something? Is there something that most of them experience that they that surprises them, or like? Yeah,
1: that's such a good question. What they notice that surprises them most, I think, is how much they actually like food. Um, almost to an extent that I think that can be really easy when you're on this food journey to almost kind of like be shamed a little bit for liking food or like <laughs> that that's like something that shouldn't happen or like only um, like only in in um, a certain time of life or if you're in a certain body, you're allowed to enjoy food this much. And I think that it just really is that inherent sense of like, we are kind of designed to enjoy this thing. Like it's a gift. And so right. I think that there's sort of this like kind of like a little light bulb that comes on where... Where it's like, I actually have permission to enjoy this and I can be unapologetic about that. Right. And so I think that that's like, yeah, just a shift that I think happens. And I think that like the byproduct of that is having like a little more joy in your life. Um, and that that's such an important part that of is like a huge living deal. well. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, w- and with that, I mean, this whole thing with food allergies I mean do you have any thoughts on that because that always freaks me out that all of a sudden out of nowhere we've got all these kids that cannot have any peanuts and it's not that's not everywhere in the world right exactly and I would say
1: that especially with food allergies unless you have been diagnosed by a physician to kind of like not assume that on yourself um, I think that especially like gluten is a big one or like oh we have like gluten sensitivities and like really only about like two percent of the population, um, even less than that, is like an actual like um, biopsy version of that where they're experiencing like a sensitivity. And so I think that it's to like really get clear like with a physician and have them do an intestinal biopsy, sometimes with a um, food allergy that doesn't even come out correctly. And so it can kind of be a false positive. So I think that there's different things that like kind of to be a little smarter than the system and um, be asking for the right testing when it comes to food allergies. But yeah, I think that they are um, kind of more apparent now than ever, um, which is so challenging. But I think that also we kind of have to go back to that intuition side of things. It's like even if you are testing positive for an allergy with something that it is kind of random that you have never actually noticed yourself, to not kind of take that as the end-all be-all of a more restrictive type diet, because I think that that can send people off the deep end and then there is the... um, Um, kind of unwanted experiences with food, such as like emotional eating or overeating, which comes from feeling like you have all of these restrictions that were just kind of came from a blood panel food test that um, might not inherently make you feel all that bad. And so I think that we really want to look at the individual and say like, well, how do these foods, what foods do we know make you feel good? okay, let's start there. Yeah, and I yeah. think that to really kind of turn the spin and really make take a positive approach with food helps people so much in the long term because we know that mentally whenever we create the sense of deprivation or feeling like a human
0: is deprived with food, it's not going to go well. Like there's right, going to be right, a backlash right. to that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. When it's like no, you can't touch it. That's right. when well, that's been proven again and again. They're like the war on drugs. Uh, drugs got worse. You know, the <laughs> right. war uh, uh, got worse. You know, it's like yes. don't, don't have the war that Again, war does not help. Yeah, how <laughs> <That laughs> many times we have to tell you, people? Peace, not war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, leaky gut—is that a thing?
1: Yeah. So leaky gut is a thing. Um, and really it starts um, com- from kind of like an inflammatory process in the gut where the tight junctions of the GI tract are kind of loosened by um, inflammatory components of the diet. So there, that can be different for different people. But I think that that um, can release into the bloodstream and cause um, different um, ramifications through the body. And, and so everyone experiences it, I think, in a different way, but it oh, okay. really comes down to... um, a GI issue and an inflammatory issue. So that's really where we start with like intervention is like reducing the inflammation that's happening. So I think it's kind of where a plant-based approach or plant-based nutrition can come in as a therapy for that. But I think that it is on an individual basis.
0: And if somebody said, I'm going to start this plant-based diet thing, where would they even start? I mean, uh, coming to Yellowbird Nutrition is a good idea. We can idea. help you out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But is there mm-hmm. is there uh, like a recipe place yeah. to go? To so you know? there's so many online
1: resources and I think I'm such a fan of just not reinventing the wheel. Um, so like Forks Over Knives is a great place to start I recipe just, building. Okay, just
0: watch that documentary. Amazing. I think
1: that that's probably one of the like top five Hallmark um, right. diets. Doc- documentaries to watch in your journey. I think they do a really great job of making it accessible it for It really makes you everyone. think. Everyone. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It's on Netflix. Anybody
0: it's out Netflix, there you can watch it.
1: Absolutely. And their website Forksoverknives.com does a beautiful job with recipe layouts and just kind of finding foods that um, are more enjoyable for you. Um, Lighter Culture is also another one that is a recipe database that you can start kind of combing through and they do a beautiful job of um, changing things for food allergies and um, how how many people you have in your family and appetite size, and it's just like an awesome um, kind of logarithm that um, connects you to recipes that are right for you. So those cool. are, so those are things that I help connect clients to. i um, just so that they feel empowered on that journey of like but you choosing you the foods. like
0: actually go into the client's space and, right. and like help them figure out like okay let's talk about how we're gonna restock the shelves. Yeah, right? so that's
1: definitely um, one way that we can get started, um, but. But kind of to um, to even go in a way that might feel more accessible or less overwhelming is just like starting with a cooking class and like letting that be like, okay, I'm probably going to choose like three to five recipes that I think would like really help bolster your confidence in meal prep. And we're going to walk through each of those. And now you've got five go-tos that can be made in less than 30 minutes. And okay. So I think it's just just about sometimes like kind of learning some of the equipment that you need to have. And it can be so Simple, like just like a pot and a skillet and a baking sheet. Like this, like it's not like this like big contraption right. um, process that I think um, is really easy to get sold to when you're just kind of website crawling and it seems like this endless supply of right. things you need to get. Yes. Why yellow bird? Why did you name um, it yellow bird? Yeah, so yellow bird is actually something that I was called as a little girl. I had like a lot of big yellow hair, and I <laughs> was just like um this kind of like hot mess express thing. Like running around, and I had, um, yeah, and so I think that I was just kind of like a high energy, um, little yellow bird girl, kind of running around. And I think that that's just like, um, just a place of, I think, um, like I think back on that with a lot of joy, just that there's just like this inherent sense of like, um, I think just like childlikeness that I think that we all really, um, deserve to let ourselves return to, um, with our food experience, with our body, um, in so many ways that is just like. Like, experiencing a little more joy and playfulness.
0: Oh, that is too sweet. I love it. Thanks. I love it so much. much. Well, Susan, thank you. So people can find out yellowbirdnutrition.com That's right. about you and what you guys do and to get started on that yummy, healthy journey of food and being happy and joyous around food, right? Absolutely. You've got it. Thank you so much for your time today. I thank you oh, so really much, We appreciate Mish. you being here. It's been awesome to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And for all of you out there, go to iTunes, subscribe to MishMash, and have wonderful healthy eating day. Love you.